Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 433 of the Battery Power Podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It's an emergency podcast on this Saturday afternoon, December 30th, and I am joined, as I often am, by Scott Coleman. Scott, we had a whole plan for a podcast, and then Chris Sale blew it up. Hey, Brad. Yes, I want to take a moment to thank Alex Anthopoulos, <laughs> who I am sure listens to every minute of this show. You and I, all week long, had been planning for a show on Saturday afternoon, the final podcast of the year before 2024. And very thankfully, Alex swings this deal about an hour and a half before you and I were scheduled to record what was going to be a mailbag episode of just like a random mishmash of questions. So thankfully, the podcast curse slash blessing did not uh, appear one more final time in 2023. And uh, yeah, Chris Sale, a big deal to be sure. Yes, I would echo all of what you just said. Heroic work from Alex to not have this drop tomorrow or late tonight, etc. And uh, for once, right in our wheelhouse when it came to recording time, we should also plug. This is our first time you and I have talked in about two weeks on this podcast feed, but we have plenty of good content since then, including a really good show from Stephen Tolbert and Sean Coleman from earlier this week. So please subscribe to this podcast anywhere you get your podcast. But we talked around it. Let's dive in right now. The Braves acquired seven-time All-Star Chris Sale on this Saturday afternoon. The details are as follows. It's Chris Sale and Cash, which we now know to be $17 million reportedly, coming to Atlanta in exchange for Vaughn Grissom heading back to Boston. A pretty simple trade. A lot of these deals are you know, multiplayer on both sides. It's kind of a one-for-one, one, although the cash element, as we'll talk about a lot on this podcast, the financial stuff, is important. And Chris Sale also waived his no-trade clause to make the deal happen, which is crucial. Before we get into any of the other details, Scott, I want to stop right here and just ask you uh, where you were when this all went down and also what your immediate reaction was before you did any sort of diving, any more context. It's just like, hey, the Braves have Chris Sale. What was your reaction? Yeah, my initial reaction was really, I think, two parts. One, I think in my mind, without doing a deep dive on Chris Sale the last couple of years, but the fact is Chris Sale has been pretty injury prone for the better part of five or six years now. He had undergone Tommy John. He had dealt with a variety of injuries, some of which are standard for pitchers, an elbow, a shoulder, and then other of which are of the freak injury variety. Like he took a, a comebacker off his pinky finger and it was a nasty injury a couple of years ago and that cost him time, right? That's something that's not going to happen very regularly for pitchers, but for whatever reason, he has had a, a variety of injuries to him. But on the other side, whenever Sale has been on the mound for really his entire career, he has been as good as any left-handed starter in baseball. Once upon a time, he was comfortably a top three pitcher on planet Earth. He's not quite that guy anymore, but uh, still quite good, as we'll talk about here in a moment with the Red Sox. And then the second part of my reaction was just uh, a little, you know, sad to see Vaughn Grissom go. I think it was pretty clear that he just did not have a real role or position with the Braves going forward. It was a virtual certainty that he was going to be traded. And maybe I didn't have Chris Sale as the guy he was going to be traded for. But as I think we'll talk through over the next hour or so, I think it makes sense for the Braves. It makes sense for the Red Sox to add a player like Grissom to their lineup. So really just an interesting deal, a one-for-one -one trade, as you mentioned, which usually doesn't happen with, with these kind of scenarios. But many layers to this deal. And um, yeah, I, I guess I was uh, maybe not overwhelmed. Was, was <laughs> you know Sometimes you see a trade come across, you go, oh my God, this is incredible. Or, oh my God, this is terrible. 
um, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense for both sides. Yes. And if you are a new listener, what we'll do here is kind of unfold every avenue that we can find on this podcast. We like to talk about stuff with nuance and with depth and uh, with, you know, criticism sometimes and praise sometimes. And we'll kind of touch on all the angles here. And we talked about kind of what the trade is, but uh, let's start with the actual like details. And that means the financial stuff. Chris Sale is making $27.5 million this year, at least that on his contract. But there's some weirdness here before we dive into the player himself. Uh, 10 million of that is deferred until 2040. Sale, when he signed with the Red Sox, had this uh, had pretty had pretty heavy deferrals. Not, not quite showing up with tiny levels of deferrals, but a lot of money going out into the future. Um, and as I mentioned before, the Red Sox are sending about 17 million to Atlanta as part of this trade. So if you do the math there, 10 million of it is deferred. 17 million of it is coming from Boston. He's essentially free when it comes to this season. Now, yes, the Braves are going to have to pay that $10 million in 15 years. That does matter. But for right now today, the payroll hit, at least in functional dollar-for-dollar terms, is essentially nothing for the Braves this year, which is certainly part of why this deal happened, I would guess. It's also why the Braves had to send real value in the form of Von Grissom. No matter what you think about him, he did have value as a trade chip. And that's why Boston doesn't just get to send Chris Sale away as a salary dump because Boston's not really in a position where they're trying to dominate right now, I don't, I don't think. But they're paying some money here and the Braves are getting a good financial deal. So Grissom might be the starting second baseman of the Red Sox this year. That's that's an important caveat and we'll get into him later on as well. Then, by the way, on top of that, Sale has a club option for 2025 for $20 million. Now that's a lot of money, but it's less than he's making this season. Uh, it does vest if he gets in the top 10 of Cy Young. Uh, I'll just say this, Scott, I don't know about you. If Chris Sale finishes a top 10 Cy Young guy, no one's going to care if that option vests or not. Everyone's going to be thrilled. No. If that happens. And so people will uh, never trade with Alex Anthopoulos again because that's he right. might actually be a wizard. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So the club option is only is only upside, in my opinion. I mean, clearly, if he's not good or if he's hurt, they'll simply decline it and walk away. Um, if he is good or at least even pretty good and healthy this year, knock on wood already, that that club option could be some added value to this deal. I'm going to throw it to you, actually, because a lot of people asked us uh, kind of about, you know, guys like Dylan Cease, for instance. And uh, you, had a, you had a good thought here about like what the kind of the parallels are, because essentially the Braves are giving, a, giving up a lot less in terms of future value in this transaction in terms of just setting out Grissom than they would have had to pay for someone like Dylan Cease. For sure. And, and when you think about it like this, here is the way of, of trying to get inside the mindset of Alex Anthopoulos, and he is going to be talking with the media soon. So we'll try to share some of those quotes. But you think about the starting pitching market right now and what Brad just said a moment ago, where the Braves are effectively getting Chris Sale for $0 in 2024, and some accountant in the uh, accounting office will have to move some money around 16 years from now, but whatever, who cares? But, 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 Dylan sees. Very good. Very good pitcher. Two years ago, runner-up in Cy Young. There was a report this week that Chicago was looking for three top 100 prospects plus more from the Cincinnati Reds. In trade talks, it was reported, I forget the name of the reporter who had the article, but essentially the White Sox are looking for three top 100 players with a couple of fringe pieces added on in order to get two years of Dylan C's. So you think about that from a Braves perspective, you're talking about not only Vaughn Grissom, who of course they traded today to Boston, but also A.J. smith Schauber and also Hurston Waldrip 
and probably a little bit more is what at least Chicago is asking for right now. So you you can think about that and go, man, th- there's no world where I'm giving up those kind of three players for Dylan C's, who again is good, but this is not Randy Johnson or Greg Maddox in his prime by any means. <laughs> and then you look at the free agent market as well. Guys like Frankie Montas, who had shoulder surgery and is basically an unknown, and Lucas Giolito, who gives up 8 million home runs a year. Those guys both signed over the last couple of days and got like $16, $17 million a year. That's a lot of money for starting pitchers who have very real questions to their profile. So you can at least see why the front office, yes, they had to give up Von Grissom, a talented kid, even if he didn't have a position to play. But if you're telling me that, you know, essentially for the cost of Von Grissom, they could add Chris Sale for $0 this year and a club option, which is valuable for next season. Who knows how the next 12 months are going to go for Sale with the Braves. Maybe he's injured and only makes a handful of starts. Maybe he's healthy for most of the season and and he's a, a godsend to this rotation. But overall, you can see why not having to overpay in free agency or in prospect capital was really appealing for the front office. Yeah, this is a very Alex Anthopoulos transaction. Is kind of what I would say. Um, to your point, I think we all would agree before we get any further into this that if the question was, would you rather have Dylan Cease or Chris Sale this year? We would all take Dylan Cease. Of course, uh, that, yes. that's safe to say. Um, but the future value calculus of that. Um, involves what you have to send out, what you probably want to maybe extend Dylan Cease, all that stuff. And, uh, you know, that's not a one for one. It wasn't like Dylan Cease's offer was on the table that we know about. But Alex tends to, and part of that is operating within the financial constraints of this organization. It's always important to note that Alex is not the one setting payroll. He is told what payroll is. He can sort of massage that with his bosses, but he's not the one paying that money out. Um, it, it just feels like he he's always kind of up for a short-term commitment to a starting pitcher. Uh, and uh, we've seen that work. We've seen it not work. Charlie Morton was a, a great example of it, of it working now repeatedly. Charlie's done, Charlie's returned a lot of value for the Braves on, on what they did to add him. The downside is people like Cole Hamels is a prominent example of this, where like the, Alex is like these short-term commitments at starter. And Chris Sale, for right now, is a one-year deal. And it could be a club option for a second year, but it's a one-year deal that they're acquiring for a guy who has great pedigree and who, as we'll talk about in a second, pitched pretty well this year and has always been good when healthy. But yes, there are real injury concerns. If Chris Sale was healthy, he would not have been available for this package or anything close to this package. Chris Sale, when healthy, is an all-star level player still in 2023-24. So, I don't know. It just feels like it's such an on-brand move. And like I understand people that don't love this approach. I'm not saying that this is the best approach, but if you look at the totality of what Alex has done, as the Braves lead executive, number one, he's done a phenomenal job. He constructed a World Series winner. And I'm not saying he's perfect because he's not, but he is pretty unilaterally seen as a top five executive in baseball for a reason. He's done a fan- he's done a fantastic job. But this is an area where he has been consistent. He's he's other than Spencer Strider, who they locked up to a long-term extension at a pretty cheap number, and Strider is a top 10 pitcher in baseball conservatively. They have not gone long on any pitching, even their free agents. They're trading their trade guys. Max Freed might hit the market. Probably it's probably going to hit the market despite being an all-star level player. They don't love to go long. And I think that that certainly seems to be part of the appeal here is getting a short-term commitment that has some upside, but also is not going to cost you any ter- in terms of risk long-term. And yes, Von Grissom might become really good. That's possible. But Von Grissom 
was blocked for better, for lack of a better term was relatively blocked in Atlanta. I think Vaughn, as we'll discuss later, like was much better suited to be a traded by the Braves for, for better value, but also just being somewhere where he could play second base or even third base. Like he's not a shortstop. We kind of know that at this point in time. So anyway, long winded, I know, but it just feels so on brand for Alex. And I'm not saying that's good or bad. It's just kind of what it is. Well, and if there's any position to go year by year, it's starting pitching. As you think about even internally, like look, flashback two years ago to the Braves coming off the World Series, Kyle Wright, Ian Anderson, right? Like those guys felt like they were just prime pieces of this core. And Spencer Strider wasn't even really a thought yet. Sure, maybe he might be a bullpen guy. Was was kind of his coming up, oh, he might be the next closer. And look how much has changed in 24 months, right? Wright's out of the organization. Anderson has had Tommy John surgery. Who knows what his future is like? Strider is now uh, maybe the best pitcher on planet Earth. Like it's just there's so much variance year over year with a very very large majority of starting pitchers. And sure, you have your unicorns, your Garrett Coles, your Zach Wheelers, guys who have been very good for years now. That's just not the case for so many starting pitchers. And you're right. I mean, I was thinking back. You you mentioned. I mean, Charlie Morton. What was Charlie Morton's first deal with the Braves? Two years, I think. Um, and then, of course, they've done the year by year thing for him. Famously, Max Fried seems likely for free agency, which you just mentioned. And even with the Strider extension, I mean, he was in his rookie year effectively when they gave out that long term extension. So they had Strider under control for six or seven years, whether or not they did a, a contract with him. And of course, they gave him the guarantee. So it is uh, maybe not the most aesthetically pleasing thing to just not be able to lock in your rotation for the next five years. But the fact is, you just don't have that many starters in Major League Baseball who you can comfortably give long-term deals to. And sometimes you have to work outside of the box and and add a guy like Sale who has some real questions and who knows how many starts he's going to be able to make next season and, and the year after that potentially. But it's just kind of the nature of the beast because, as you said, if Sale was coming off back-to-back years of 200 innings and a Cy Young uh, appearance, he wouldn't have been available for effectively one prospect who has some questions about if he has a position to play in the major leagues. Yes, and uh, that's a good bridge as we'll get into kind of a deeper dive into what Chris Sale currently is as well as what Vaughn Grissom might be in the future as the Braves kind of let him out the door. And then at the end of the podcast, we'll talk kind of where the Braves are now and for the future. Before we get to all of that stuff, though, a word from our sponsors on today's show. Okay, Scott, let's discuss Chris Sale, the pitcher, because obviously there's a lot of context around this entire thing from finances to contract length to price tags, etc., but he's now on the team. So Chris Sale is a seven-time All-Star, and he at one point finished in the top six of AL Cy Young voting seven seasons in a row, which is really hard to do. Now, it's been a while since then. He is not that pitcher anymore. I'll be the first to say that. But he was pretty good in 2023. We'll come back to that in a second. But the injury concerns are the big thing, and this is why he is available for this price tag. We talked around it earlier, but he had Tommy John that caused him to miss essentially all over most of two seasons, 2020 and 2021. That's a pretty common thing. Tommy John happens to pitchers, but that's two of the seasons, basically. In 2022, you talked about the the broken uh, pinky finger that he had on the batted ball. Um, that was after he was coming back from a rib issue, which I don't think is going to be a huge long-term concern. This year in 2023, 
he did miss some starts in the middle of the season with, I think it was like a shoulder blade issue. Like a, I'm not, I'm not even sure what the details were there, but he came back after that and made nine starts and pitched well. So shoulders are a little, a little bit scary. I will always acknowledge that, but you have to imagine that some diligence has been done here on Chris Sale. He finished the season healthy, and that is probably a good sign, I would say, moving forward. So as far as how good he was in 2023, uh, the answer is pretty good. Not dominant, but pretty good. He had a 4.3 ERA, which is not fantastic, but if you look under the hood a little bit, 3.8 FIP, 3.7 XFIP, 3.7 XERA. He threw uh, about 102 innings, almost 11 strikeouts per nine innings, only two and a half walks per nine innings. Like his numbers other than ERA, and you know how I feel about ERA, Scott. Uh, it's, it's one of my favorite pastimes to be fun of ERA. Um, but anyway, no, I mean, Boston was terrible this year too. They were kind of a mess in a lot of ways. I think it, objectively speaking, Chris Sale was pretty good when he pitched this year. And we can kind of go a step below that when it comes to stat cast data. But um, let's just say, Scott, for the betterment of this exercise, let's say he's the same pitcher he was in 2023. How good is he in your mind? Because it feels like, as we sort of peek ahead a little, he's going to be in there with Charlie Morton as either the third or fourth starter on this team. And if he's your third or fourth starter, if he's the guy he was last year, like that's it's pretty good, man. I, I, at least, at least for me. Yeah, the name of the game with Chris Sale will be keeping him healthy and on the mound. And maybe this is Captain Obvious, but keeping him healthy for October because maybe we can't <laughs> predict the yeah. future. But but a virtual, I don't want to say a virtual lock, a very high probability that the Atlanta Braves will be in the playoffs next year. Right. There are 15 teams in the National League. Six of them make the playoffs. I would be shocked, truly shocked, if the Braves did not find themselves playing in the playoffs in September or October. You know, right. So you have to keep sale healthy all year long. I think the Braves have generally done a pretty good job of of keeping pitchers on the mound. And, you know, if you have to be careful with him and, and bring him along slowly, skip a start, put him on the IL to give him a breather. Now, who knows if any real injuries will arise, but keeping him healthy for September and October is going to be paramount going forward. He he does have a, a pretty long injury list. I mean, if you had like the, the medical chart or like an outline of his body in all the red spots where areas he's had problems over his career, there would be a lot of points on that map where it would be red because he has had a variety of things, but he is a couple years removed from Tommy John, which is good. Uh, he, his velocity, while not what it used to be, is still perfectly fine, especially from the left side. You mentioned he had big-time strikeout numbers, 11 strikeouts per nine, which is really high. He's always had good command, of course, which is important. He he does give a propensity to give up a few too many home runs. Perhaps moving to Truist Park instead of Boston with the Green Monster will help him there. Of course, the Braves defensively are as good as, as most. So overall, I, I think... You mentioned having him as the third or fourth starter. You know, if you get sale for 20, 25 starts next year, I think that's going to bode well for the Braves. As long as Freed and Strider are healthy, they're going to be just so, so good at the top. 40-year-old Charlie Morton as your third or fourth rotating in with sale. And then because you add in a pitcher like sale, you have Bryce Elder as your fifth. And then if you need to have some time away from sale on the injury uh, injured list, you have those options in AAA, your Alan Winans, your Darius Vines, those type of arms who can fill in for a couple of weeks. Maybe they're not the greatest options in the world, but you at least have some depth and you are guaranteeing yourself that you're not going to have to rely on those guys come opening day. 
Yeah, all tracks for me. I'm looking at uh, Twitter right now. Alex is speaking as we are talking. Uh, he already said on the record that they reviewed Sale's medical history and that they feel pretty good about it. Also, also that also that he believes that Sale is a playoff caliber starter, which is what the which what the Braves were looking for. That makes a lot of sense. Obviously, that's pretty uh, pretty intuitive in a lot of ways. Um, they actually he revealed they they've been t- keeping in touch with Boston for a while now, and then started to heat up last night, and they got it done today. So kind yeah, of just what you expect. But. Yeah, under the hood, um, this deal was broken by Jeff Passan of ESPN. Yep. And within about two minutes of him breaking the news, he had a thousand word article on ESPN.com. <laughs> so, yeah, he had it for a while. Yeah. This was, uh, yeah, this this did not come as a huge surprise. I mean, w- and with a guy like in with Sale, there are extensive medical history reviewing that needs to be done. And Anthopolis said that they were comfortable with his medicals. Quite obviously, they made the deal. Uh, but they were comfortable with him, and, and they view him as a, a playoff starter. Yeah, and uh, your guy, Justin Toscano of the AJC, just said that Alex passed along that, that people are raving about Chris Sale as a teammate and as a person. All of the uh, all of the speak that you would hear. But anyway, that's what we have right now on that front, and uh, no surprises that I have seen so far. You mentioned it, but like his, his stack guys did it really good. I feel pretty good about Chris Sale if he is healthy. And look, we're we're not doctors, we're not trainers. Everyone, this is the most obvious point in the world. The Braves know what they're getting into here. Alex has to know that if this goes poorly and there's injuries with Chris Sale, everyone's going to be second guessed. Um, there's some there's some leverage and some power in having job security in the way that Alex does. Um, you can kind of make this move in a way that maybe some other some other people can't. But um, if it works, I do think that it has a it has pretty reasonable upside. Um, one point of comparison. Zips projections, which we talked about actually a couple weeks ago, weeks ago on the show from Dan Zimborski. Um, he projected sale as part of the Red Sox a few weeks ago and had only 90 innings projected, obviously pretty conservative for injury reasons. But in those 90 innings, they were projecting 1.4 Fangraphs war, which is pretty good for 90 innings. That's essentially you know a two and a half, three win pitcher over the course of a full season. That's a good player. Um, if you can push that out into a pretty normal workload, you'd be certainly overjoyed with a guy in the middle of your rotation again in the middle of your rotation not someone who's expected to be pushing free and strider but i'm looking now at fangraph's depth chart projections and it's different from zips but they actually have him for 141 innings and 2.6 war which is a very good pitcher so i'll be the first to admit and i think you would agree with me here scott projections on a guy like sale are all tied to his innings but it is worth just pointing out again that he's essentially never been bad when healthy. Now, the health is a real concern, but there are some guys who have been shakier performance-wise, and with Sale, it's essentially healthy equals good, or he's unhealthy. <laughs> it's, uh, he's getting older. He'll be in his mid-30s, so it may not continue forever, but there's a little bit. I'm not even sure if it's like solace or whatever you want to say with that, but there is not really a record of him pitching and not pitching well. Yep. Yes, I mean... You you said you took the words out of my mouth with when he is healthy and on the mound, there is a high probability that he is going to be good, which is if you can't say that for most guys, right? I mean, this is a very talented individual. His stat cast numbers across the board were all strong, still gets a ton of swing and miss, uh, good breaking stuff to play off of his fastball. So, I mean, there's there's a lot to like here. And I mean, again, it's, it's a a gamble, I think a calculated gamble, but a gamble that the Braves know they may not get 200 innings out of sale. But if you have him healthy for when the games matter most, that's a win, 
right? Like that that's what this trade is about. It's it's similar to making the argument for Tyler Glass now, who of course was traded to LA, a guy with an extensive injury list, honestly a pretty similar list of injuries to what Sale has had. So you don't always know that you're going to have him every fifth day, but man, when he's out there, he's really good. And for a team like the Braves who have two bona fide aces at the top of the rotation, and then all reliable and Chuck Morton, and then a perfectly fine Bryce Elder is your fifth. I mean, that that's kind of a, I don't want to say it's a perfect scenario because sure, there are better, more sure things than Chris Sale. But man, if, if you're telling me that you can have him healthy and, and going well in September and October of next year as your kind of big three or even big four with Morton or, or Elder, um, I, I like it. And when you talk about who was available realistically on the trade market and in free agency, who you didn't have to commit seven years and $200 million to, like a Blake Snell uh, or a Montgomery, or having to give away basically every piece in your farm system for a Dylan Seas. Again, it, it makes sense. I think you said it perfectly earlier that this is a very on-brand trade for Alex Anthopoulos, and he's not going to hit on every single move. And sure, this could turn into to Cole Hamels 2.0. That That is an outcome here. Yeah. The, there's just, other than giving up Vaughn Grissom, who could turn into a really solid major league player, there's just not a ton of downside risk here. And even if Grissom does become a good everyday player, I think it was pretty clear that that just probably wasn't going to happen in Atlanta, short of him suddenly becoming a good defensive shortstop. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just think that boat has sailed. Yeah, let's talk about Vaughn a little bit now. By the way, while we're here, Alex is still talking, and he said that Chris Sale actually lives in Naples, Florida, which is pretty close to the facility for the Braves in Northport, and Sale has already been asking Alex if he can start going over there and throwing. So uh, he seems to be pretty excited about the trade. And again, he waived the no-trade clause to get to Atlanta. Well, and you know, Sale is a World Series champion. He won with Boston. As he's hitting the twilight of his career, I mean, you want to talk about someone who brings the the postseason experience i mean he he has that he got the last three outs for the red sox in their world series in 2017 i believe so this is i know for some people people really value playoff experience and i'm sure he is juiced up to join the braves not that the red sox were terrible last year but for him to go to probably the best roster in the game at worst it's top two i'm sure he's pretty fired up he is um not to sidetrack us, but uh, go, back, go back to Vaughn Grissom, where you talked about a second ago. We'll just kind of say farewell to Vaughn now. And really the big thing, we talked around it, but in the end, there just wasn't a clear path to a big role for Vaughn Grissom. And I think that Alex has now said that on the record. We all kind of know the deal here. It's not that the Braves gave up on Vaughn Grissom. It's that they don't really have anywhere to put him. Um, once the kind of ship, I'm not saying it's permanently sailed, but once it was pretty clear that they did not believe in him as a defensive shortstop, there just wasn't a, a spot for him. Like I know I advocated for him to play left field. I would have tried that in a vacuum, but once they traded for Kelnick, I think we kind of knew that was going to be their plan in left field. And they tried to at least talk about Vaughn playing there and maybe pushing Jared Kelnick, but that was just spin. It felt like to me, um, that's just me talking, but it felt like as soon as they made the deal for Kelnick, he was going to be their guy in left field for the season. So Vaughn just made the most sense as a trade candidate. Um, and again, going to a team that, he can play somewhere else. Like in Boston, I think he's going to be probably their second baseman, maybe third baseman somewhere else. Like, again, I think the bat might play, um, but his bat is not a a spot. I don't know if you agree with me here or not. Vaughn isn't 
at least on paper, the kind of hitter that would play as a DH or would play as a first baseman. Like he needs to be, he's a good hitter, but it's a bat that's way more appealing if he's playing middle infield. And the Braves already have Ozzy Albies at second base, which is the spot where Vaughn played and played well because Ozzy was, Ozzy was hurt. But they obviously are not going to trade Ozzy to, to pave the way for Vaughn Grissom. So um, it's a it's a risk on some level. I don't think Vaughn has... I might be wrong about this and I'll knock on wood here just for the Braves standpoint. I don't, I don't think Vaughn has, Vaughn has the upside to like make them look incredibly silly here. He might be a good big leaguer though for a long time. That, that would not surprise me at all. I just feel like the, the projection on Vaughn is more like solid starting second baseman than it is to like be an all-star and that uh, given where they are with their roster and how loaded they are everywhere else. And that's look, this may, it makes it, uh, I shouldn't say hard. It makes it more challenging for the Braves in a good, in the best way possible that they have so many spots in their lineup filled for a long time. Like it's a great thing to have, but like we've all talked about this for a long time, but left field and shortstop are their only spots that they have any flexibility. And, you know, Vaughn couldn't play shortstop and they went and got a guy in left field that has a lot higher upside than Vaughn does, I think. So uh, yeah, all positive about Vaughn. Like I still think he's going to be a pretty good big leaguer. I really do, but it just made more sense to trade him. And I don't know if I saw this coming. I know you said that once early on this podcast too. I would not have seen Vaughn for Chris Sale on my bingo card, but I do think this is a very like, you know, logical move. And he was, I think, I don't I don't want to say he was always going to be traded, but it felt very likely uh, throughout the winter. On, even Alex Anthopoulos, who is generally pretty coded with what he's saying, and you know he can talk for twenty minutes and not say anything. Yes, <laughs> even he said a couple of weeks ago that Von Grissom does not need to spend another seven months in the minor leagues. No, like he's, he's, he's a major leaguer. He he's he's ready to go. Uh, and you know, in Boston, it's a good landing spot for Grissom. You know, kind of like last year when William Contreras went to the Brewers, that was a great spot for Bill to end up in. And I think this is an equally really good place for Grissom to go to. Uh, Boston has a pretty good history as well of, of working with uh, hitters and developing hitters. And, you know, we'll see what his future ultimately is, whether it's at second base, third base, uh, left field at Fenway park is a different dynamic than just about anywhere else. He does not have a huge arm. So maybe he could uh, potentially play some left field with, with the green monster in the short porch, so, you know, he's going to get a chance to play every day for a, you know, a pretty decent Red Sox team. Um, you know, so for Vaughn, I think it was it was just clear, you know, where was he going to play? Uh, especially if if they seemingly had no interest in moving him to left field. Second base is locked down for at least the next 3 or 4 years. Austin Riley's at third base, you're not moving Austin Riley. And, uh, you know, it's just, it was time to move on. I think it's probably in the best. And, you know, he said off the top, but I really do feel like this is probably a win-win for every single component involved here. Makes sense for the Braves to add Chris Sale. It makes sense for the Red Sox to move on and add a talented young infielder. And for Vaughn Grissom himself, personally, I think it's a good opportunity for him to play in a, you know, a big market and a chance of, you know, the Red Sox are going to give him 600 plate appearances next year. That clearly was not happening in Atlanta. And at this point for him, he just needs to play every day and, and see what he can do. Yep. That is uh, something that I would agree with wholeheartedly. And, you know, would it have maybe made sense to package Vaughn with other stuff and aim a little bit higher? I mean, we talked about Dylan Cease at the top of the show. That was the asking price there was super high. But there's basically two ways to trade Vaughn Grissom in a functional way for the Braves. And one of them was to be in a in as part of a blockbuster deal, like the one for Cease would have been. 
or you trade him in a deal like this, where he is it. He's the only guy going out. And clearly, he's seen as a positive value because the Red Sox chose to spend $17 million to send Chris Sale out so they can get Von Grissom. You know what I mean? There are different structures of this trade where maybe the Braves take on Chris Sale and don't send out Von Grissom, something like that, or maybe another team takes on Chris Sale and just it's more of a more of a salary dump. But Boston basically chose to pay. I'm not sure it's going to be this clean, but they they chose to give out some money to get Von Grissom, and that does make sense because Von Grissom, even if he's just a solid two or three win second baseman, that's a really valuable player when you have this much team control. It's just that again, the Braves just couldn't maximize that without trading it. This is the way to get value for him. That's just the way it fell, the way it broke after the shortstop thing kind of fell apart. And uh, good luck to Vaughn. I mean, I certainly still think he can be pretty good. It's just that he wasn't going to yeah. happen here. I, I do too. If you asked me in five years, is Vaughn Grissom still in the major leagues? Oh yeah, I would. I would say yes. I I think you agree. I think most people agree. I think he's going to hit. I really do. I think he could hit a million doubles in Fenway, just bouncing it off that that wall in left field. Just, just can, can you catch the ball? Can can he yes. can he play? And and I I do think I don't know about you. Uh, I think second base is his best bet. Yeah, long I agree. Term, long term. I mean, just because like you don't have he, he's he, number one. He played there and played there decently enough for a few months in the big leagues on a team that was trying to win with the Braves. And granted, it was injury related, but he he played there and didn't kill them. Um, and just you know. The downside of second base is just a little bit lower. Like there's a lot more pressure at shortstop, um, or even at third base for what he is. He's not a great athlete. Like he's he's not a terrible athlete. He's, he's not a, he's not a super fast guy. Um, not a ton of range, etc. But I think he can hit enough at second base to stick. And uh, it's not a Red Sox podcast, but I think that Vaughn will be good. So uh, rooting for him on some level. Although of course not. If he if he becomes a star, then it, it's going to be kind of brutal. But I, that's not likely. I don't think to me. Which I don't think is the likeliest of outcomes, but. Again, I mean, we try to be nuanced and fair and balanced. Again, I mean, there is a real world where Chris Sale gets hurt again yeah. and Von Grissom becomes a really good everyday player for Boston. This, I mean, this that- could look, yeah, this could look not good in a in very short period of time. If Sale gets hurt in June and Vaughn is raking, people are going to be very upset. <laughs> and I get it. I mean, Me that's too. the downside. That's, that, that, yeah. I, it's, that's, that's the downside risk. But I do think that I don't want to, I know we said it a lot. I'll say it one more time. Part of this is that there's just nowhere to put Vaughn. Like, I, I don't think that, yeah, we talked about him DHing at one point last year when Ozuna was just totally in the tank. But admittedly, Vaughn Grissom is not, does not have a DH profile. Vaughn Grissom's bat plays up at certain positions. I think if you just said, okay, Vaughn Grissom is going to be our DH every day, you have a below average DH. Like, that's just the way it is. I'm not saying that's a, that's what it has to be, but you you want some more pop from that spot. Um, same thing if you stuck him at first base or something like that. But I, I think that the best combination for him is just playing somewhere else. And um, I, I I will be, I'm sure, if this happens, I will be trying to remind Braves fans that there was nowhere to, nowhere, nowhere to put Vaughn, and I'm sure that no one will listen to me, and that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really just is. Ultimately, I think this is, the deal is more about Chris Sale than yes. it is. Vaughn Grissom. And it, it was capitalizing on Vaughn on, on what they could from Vaughn. And again, that that was that was to trade him. It doesn't mean he's a bad player. It's just the way the organizational priorities bore out. Yeah. It, it felt inevitable that they were going to move on. There was nothing left for him to do in the minors because he was very, very good this past season in the minors. He does not have his prospect eligibility, but I 
I would assume we could ask old friend Carlos Colazzo, but I'm pretty sure that Grissom would be a consensus top 100 prospect oh, if he still had his his prospect status, um, maybe even top 50. So, you know, that's another way of it's like, yeah, he's not technically a prospect because he missed the cutoff by like five days or something. But uh, yeah, yeah I mean, he, at the he's end- played 65 or so games in the big leagues at this yeah. point. Um, yep. But yeah, he spent essentially the whole year at AAA. Just to back you up, he had a 330-419-501 slash line in Gwinnett this year, a 135 WRC+. But, and that's really good, but to my point earlier, only eight home runs, 13 steals. Like, he's a good hitter, but he's not a, he's not a masher. So it's yep. like, that that's the kind of guy that you want at second base or maybe even in left field or whatever. So anyway... Yep. We'll leave it there for now, but uh, yeah. good, luck good luck, Vaughn. Seems yes. like a good good kid. A lot of energy, a lot of yeah, fun. Yeah, uh, Michael Harris, by the way, uh, tweeted uh, the one of the crying memes. I, I would imagine that he and Vaughn are close. They they were in the organization together and played at different levels together. And there is a human side always. Like you have friends in your in the organization, and I'm sure Michael and Vaughn have been through a lot together. And uh, that's that's the human cost of this stuff. And we often kind of breeze past that. But it's a guy who came up with the Braves. He was drafted by the Braves, etc. So. Uh, no, no fun to trade out. I mean, I, Alex has to say that, but I, I, I believe that he means it. Like, it's not like it's a fun thing to have to trade on. It's just what it is. Yeah. All right. Um, before we get out of here, Scott, let's kind of go big picture about where this leaves the Braves. Um, and you know, rotationally, I feel like there's there's some clarity here. Of course, we talked about the injury concerns, but for a minute, let's just say that going into the year, knock on wood, Chris Sale is healthy. We know the first two starters on the Braves team are Max Freed and Spencer Strider in some order. And then I feel like um, they're three and four in some order are Sale and Morton, the old guys. Uh, we'll stop here. Do you agree with me so far? <laughs> yes. No, uh, no controversial hot takes yet, Brad. Yet. Yet. Okay. From there. So that, that's four starters. And I, I think that Reynaldo Lopez, um, despite all of the spin about him maybe starting, I feel like the Chris Sale move kind of makes that not happen unless something happens to Chris Sale in the near future. Um, Reynaldo plays plays up in the bullpen. That's probably going to happen, I think. Um, if you take him, put him into the side, that leaves a bunch of guys for the five spot. Obviously, Bryce Elder as the incumbent, who wasn't... <laughs> he was an all-star this year, Scott. That happened. Um, but fifth starter incumbent, Bryce Elder. Then you have the young guys, your Smith Shavers, your Waldrops, the high upside Young guys. Then you have your Alan Winans, and Darius Vines, and Huascari Noah, Ian Anderson by the middle of the season, Dylan Dodd. They have all kinds of names, Scott. And that's a lot of depth. And as Alex always says, and as we always say, you need more than five starting pitchers. So it feels like they have four guys that they're going to definitely have. And then they have a bunch of depth. And Reynaldo Lopez is kind of a swing guy. And it feels to me that barring a change, the rotation's done now. I, 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 I can't imagine them doing anything major. Maybe assign some, some some sort of like cast off in spring training for depth purposes, but the big moves, it seems like have to be done here. Well, and really for the whole roster, it feels like, I mean, maybe a bench piece, maybe an out, a fourth outfielder, but you know, to me looking at this 26 man roster, just from a numbers perspective, I think the off season is pretty close to being done. Uh, which is both good and bad. Uh, you know, we got to fill a podcast for the next two months. So uh, maybe Alex will throw us a bone. But um, no, I think you you said the top four guaranteed, if healthy, Freed and Strider is as good of a one-two punch as there is. And if Chris Sale with his injury history and Charlie Morton at age 40 are healthy, that's a, a really solid 3-4 punch. And I, I know people don't 
you know, it's not unanimous that everybody loves Charlie Morton. And I've seen some mixed, uh, mixed feedback and, and mixed emotion about adding sale with his, uh, his past, but you know, those guys are healthy, man. It's pretty hard to deny that that's a really strong three, four in the middle of your rotation. And then, you know, gives you some, some flexibility with Bryce Elder. I would be pretty surprised if Elder is not the fifth on opening day, just after what he did last season. He He's never going to be flashy or sexy, but he can eat innings. And as long as just the wheels don't fall off entirely, I think he's your fifth. But then, it, you know, it allows you, there's really no pressure to push A.J. smith Shaver quicker than you want. I think he can get a full year in Gwinnett, hopefully. Um, same for Hurston Waldrop, who had a really meteoric rise after being drafted last summer. I would imagine he starts with Mississippi or Gwinnett and can throw a full year down there. And then you know what you have with guys like Winans and Dodd and maybe even Waskari Noah, who I think might actually be a, a bullpen kind of hybrid role uh, open the year as well if he's healthy and, and maybe Ian Anderson come middle of summer. So there is really some some real depth here by adding Sale and regardless of if it was sale or any other kind of middle rotation arm, it just slots everybody else down a rung and it just looks a lot better, right? Like you you talk about the logistics of needing to navigate 162 games plus playoffs. You have to have pitching depth and knowing that you aren't going to ask or, or hopefully won't need to ask Alan Winans to make a dozen starts next year or to have to overly promote AJ Smith Shaver out of sheer pure necessity. I, you know, I don't think that's going to happen. Injuries can happen to anybody, especially pitchers. But it just feels like this rotation is in a really good place as we flip the calendar to next year. It is. And yeah, I mean, looking ahead to the to the future of 2025 and beyond, like I do think that it's a key cog to this transaction of the sale thing to not have to trade Waldrop or Smith Shaver. I mean, I I, I never want to overrate non uber elite prospects like essentially if you're not a top five can't miss Ronald Acuna type I am usually on the side of trading guys versus not trading guys you don't always have to do it I feel like I I value these unproven prospects less than a lot of people do but Smith Shaver and Walter both have super high upside and that's those are guys that they I think clearly value as their number one and two guys in the system right now and not having to trade those guys and having them hopefully at least one of them popping by 2025 when you might lose Max Freed, when you might not have Chris Sale, like, you know, there's some flexibility there. And yeah, there's a world that would be awesome if Chris Sale pitches really well this year that you have him back in 2025 uh, on a reasonable club option. And then you kind of fill around that with young guys, et cetera. So um, you said it earlier and it's been sticking with me in the last, for the last half hour about just a few years ago. Everyone, including us, was penciling in Kyle Wright and Ian Anderson for long-term roles. And those guys, well, Ian's still in the organization. It could be back mid-season, but it kind of just reminds you of how you know flaky this stuff can be in a lot of ways. So you don't want to overrate guys, but uh, having some foundation, ha- not having to mortgage your future, having the swing old guys in Morton and Sale, it's a good mixture on paper. And uh, did I say this before? I, I can't remember if I, if I said earlier in the podcast or not. Uh, the folks at Fangraphs now have the Braves as the number one rotation in baseball. Right now, including Chris Hill. You would never believe that I know. if you looked at the comments on like anything. But yeah, it's right. I mean, I, I know that all the attention has been elsewhere. Um, you know, if you ask me, I think it's probably the Braves and Philadelphia right now. 
would, would be my my they two. are they are number two and the Dodgers are number three just for the record yeah I mean and and maybe even more extreme than the Braves but I think the Dodgers probably have even more injury risk and variance than the Braves do um you know I think if you if you asked me today would I rather have the Braves rotation or the Phillies rotation you know that'd be a fun podcast conversation quite honestly um you know both teams are really good and not only though is the Braves rotation good, but it has the best lineup or at worst the top three lineup. And then the bullpen is going to be the best in baseball next year with all the depth. So this is just a a really good roster. And I know some folks are insistent that it's not and blah, 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 and whatever. But <laughs> um, yeah, that's it's interesting that in the eyes of the projection models, which have zero bias and are, yep. you know, um, they, they really like the Braves. Yeah, and that's, that's our projection. And they're pretty optimistic on sale again i mentioned this earlier but about 140 innings of sale is the projection there that's you know a, probably where i would have it about that but that's that's a, that's optimistic for sure um but you know even if you were to downgrade that and i i would be more comfortable saying along with kind of what you said the braves are a top five or six rotation in the league right now that that's kind of where i would be that's more conservative than number one overall that sounds more confident than i am uh but even then don't don't forget this, everybody. The Braves have the best lineup in baseball. Still, the Braves have the best returning lineup in baseball. They were the best lineup in, in baseball last year. Um, and yeah, there's a little bit of turnover in left field, but they didn't exactly light the world on fire in left field last year. Um, Orlando Garcia was very human last year at shortstop, and the rest of your guys are stars for the most part. So I feel. Like, and by the way, the bullpen they invested in heavily, and that's a top five group in baseball, in my opinion. So oh, easy. Easy, so, easy. I'm excited for the bullpen. It's weird to be so excited for a bullpen. I am pumped for this Braves bullpen because it could be like all-time good if a few things break right. Yeah. So we'll talk more about this as we have a long way to go until spring training, but uh, the, the Braves on paper look quite good. Uh, that's not a huge surprise after coming off a 104-1 season. And we actually had a bunch of mailbag questions to answer that we, want, that we, want, that we will not answer now because we have so much to talk about with this trade that we'll save for later. But some of the questions are about like what happens if the Braves underachieve this year or all that stuff. And like, we'll get, we'll get to that, but all you can do is assemble the best team to win the most games. And when the playoffs hit, it's variance time and all that stuff. But another move that on paper makes them better. Like even if you are the biggest Chris sale skeptic in the world, and I get that point of view, uh, the chances of Chris sale helping you in 2024 are higher than the, the chances of Andres helping you in 2024. That's, that's kind of yep. what I would say. Yeah, I would so agree. if you want to go short term, I know some some fans only care about right now, and I totally understand that because it's right in front of you. Um, if that's your viewpoint, this this deal helps you. If you're also concerned with the future, yes, Vaughn could be could have been a helpful guy for a long time, but you didn't have to trade your other super high value prospects in this trade, um, and you have to trade something to get something. That's kind of how this works. So I don't know about you, Scott. Let's just end. The, let's, let's just end this way. Uh, how do you feel about this transaction? Now that we've kind of laid it all out, um, I asked you for your initial reaction. We've kind of gone through it. Um, I'll get, I'll save my answer for a second, but, uh, what is your kind of overall, I'm not going to ask you for a letter grade, but how do you feel about this transaction right now on December 30th? Yeah. You know, I think as we've probably outlined, as we've talked, there's, there's many layers to this trade from getting rid of, of Von Grissom to bringing on a very talented yet injury riddled guy like Chris Sale and 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 all of that right but I think at the end of the day I find myself liking the deal I'm maybe not jumping up and down 
and doing jumping jacks uh, or jumping jacks backflips as we as we talk here. But um, you know, I do like it, and I would say you know, at the end of the day, it really just comes down to how healthy Sale is going to be, and not only that, but when he's going to be healthy. Because the idea of having him firing on all cylinders in September and hopefully deep into October is really exciting. And we've seen just if you can get power strikeout pitching in the playoffs, just how dominant and how important that is. And that is something when Sale has been healthy, basically his entire career, he's been able to give you, right? High-end starting pitching. And there's just not that many guys like that who are available uh, this offseason. So um, I like the deal overall. There is some risk. I think we will all kind of be holding our breath a little bit every time Sale takes <laughs> the mound. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, if, if he has to miss a little bit of time in June and July and August, it's not the end of the world. It really is, not to repeat myself, but it really is about you, you obviously want to have him healthy for as many starts as he can make, but the end game is to be ready to roll and firing on all cylinders in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, that that's not a guarantee by any means. And there is some injury risk here. Uh, and as far as moving on from Grissom, as we outlined, a talented kid, I'm just not sure where he was going to play in Atlanta. Um, yeah, so that, that's kind of my my uh, long-winded feelings on the deal. Uh, Brad, where are you at with all this? Yeah, I think we're mostly in the same place. I, you know, there are, if you listen to this podcast for a long time, there are moves that I think are very obviously awesome. And we'll say that when they happen. Uh, the most prominent example probably is the Acuna Albies extensions where yeah. Michael Harris, like, Michael yeah. Harris extension, same thing. It's like, all right, those, these are pretty obvious no brainers. Um, there are also moves that I think are pretty clearly good, um, but less like a pluses. I don't know where you will. I don't know. I can't think of an example right now, but there, there's some like that that are more clearly good. I think this is a this is a deal that I think is in the pretty good camp. I I would have done this if you asked me an hour before the deal happened. Here 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 are the here are the terms, Brad. Would you have done this trade? I would say yes. Um, I don't think it's an A plus. I don't think it's without risk. As we I, I think we've done a pretty decent job outlining all the risks involved here um, when it comes to maybe Vaughn biting you or just more more likely or more reasonably Chris Sale just getting hurt. Um, but I think that the cost. And the way the financial structure lays out and allows you to, you know, Alex always wants to have that eight to 10 million in his back pocket in July and August if he needs to make a move. And he's done that kind of repeatedly. I think he probably still has that money now available to him. Uh, We'll never know for sure until it happens, but they didn't add payroll in the short term, which I think is probably important here for flexibility purposes. And this just makes them better in the short term. And obviously, Sale might throw his arm out or something like that in, in March. I'm not saying that's impossible, but... I would have done this deal. I think it's a good transaction. It does make logical sense. It is not perfect. Um, would there have been a better way maybe to trade Vongress for something else that I would have liked more? Possibly. But I, I think that this this does help them. And uh, I'm bullish on Chris Sale um, and what he could add. And yeah, I, I don't think that Chris Sale in 2024 is likely to be an ace. But no matter what, some Braves fans that I have in my mentions on social media say you don't need to have four aces. You know what I mean? It's the Braves have two aces right now and most teams don't have two aces. And yeah, it'd be great to have four. It'd be great to have five, but the, the current versions of Chris sale and Charlie Morton as your third and four starters are pretty darn good. 
especially when you have arguably the top duo in, in all of baseball, or at least the top three duo in all of baseball, since Otani can't pitch this year. <laughs> Otani Yamamoto can't pitch. Right. So that's that's at least yeah. that. Um, so at a bare minimum, you have two of the what top fifteen pitchers in baseball in Strider and Freed. In Strider and Freed. Oh yeah. Easy. And then you and then you have another two guys who are not on that level, but I think compared to what most teams and even most contending teams have at three and four, that's a pretty good spot. The offense is awesome. The bullpen is awesome. I feel pretty good. And uh, this, this does help them. So I'm not telling people to dance in the streets. I I do understand people that don't like this deal or at least like it less than we do, at least less than I do. But uh, my general seal of approval would be on this one. Just not with the pom-poms out, if that makes sense. There you go. Yeah. No pom-poms for Brad today. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And you know, Another point that just kind of came to mind that I wanted to make, you know, this deal was done basically two months into the offseason. So I think it is fair to say that with a high level of certainty, Alex Anthopoulos checked on dozens of starting pitching options. Um, I had heard through the grapevine that the Braves were in on Eduardo Rodriguez pretty significantly before he ultimately signed with the Diamondbacks. Um, I am sure they have had conversations about trading for Tyler Glass now and Dylan Sees and Corbin Burns. So you know, if this deal was done in the first week of the winter, I might be a little more hesitant and, and have been like, well, you know, what else was out there? But you know, pretty quickly, the starting pitching free agent market has been pretty healthy. It's moved pretty well. There are a couple of guys like Blake Snell who never seem like a fit. Jordan Montgomery, who I would have been interested in, but again, I just don't see as a fit. And at a certain point, you have to just pull the trigger on some kind of addition to the rotation. Because no matter what the front office might say publicly, it was pretty obvious that this team needed to add a starting pitcher in the middle of a World Series contention window So I'm sure with all of the due diligence, if you just kind of put it all out on a spreadsheet and said, we can add player A and it's going to cost this, and we can add player B, but it's going to cost this. You know, I I have a a thought that the Chris Sale cost was probably about as good as they were going to find for a player of his pedigree without either completely unloading the farm system or without having to give eight years to a Blake Snell or a you know, six-year, $200 million deal to Jordan Montgomery. You know, those are just two deals that I would want no part of. And ultimately, if if Sale is who this front office deemed is the best fit, I think it has more than earned the benefit of the doubt with all of their moves over the last five or six years. And of course, not every deal is going to be perfect. Not everyone is going to be great. But I, I think it's a calculated risk. And sure, it's a bummer to move on from Vaughn, But I think sale brings real upside at virtually no financial cost, at least for the next 15 years. And if you can have him healthy with the other three big names in this rotation, I mean, I'll I'll take that big four against pretty much anybody's. Yeah, knock on wood, folks. We're going to spend the next four to six to 10 months knocking on wood about Chris Sale. And that is that's part of the nature of this transaction. I, I, I think always wondered what it was like to have Jacob deGrom in your rotation. This is kind of it. Not, not yeah. really, no, maybe, maybe a little bit lower upside than Jacob deGrom, but sure. uh, the, the threat of breaking at any moment for sure. Um, and yeah, I mean, again, I'm reading all of the comments from Alex as we talk. And uh, he said, uh, uh, this is a direct quote now from Toscano um, from Alex quote, we think he's a playoff caliber starter. And that's what we were in the market for. If we could acquire that this all season, someone that we felt could start playoff games for us End quote, that's kind of it, man. They wanted another, another guy. 
And I think that they were gonna they were kind of keen to wait it out and not just acquire a guy to acquire a guy. I do think, and this would have been uh, unsatisfying to me and you, given our comments on this podcast, I think there was a real chance the Braves were going to go into spring training with what they had. That was that was possible, starting pitching-wise. I think they might have used Ronaldo Lopez there. They might have gone with Elder and whatever else and gone into the season with what they had. Because I think Alex was not going to just make a trade or make a signing to make a signing. I think he felt like if they were going to do something, it was going to be a, a bigger something. And now Chris Sale is not as sexy as Jordan as Jordan Montgomery would have been or Dale Tease would have been. But like, I feel like this is kind of the next level up from like the plug and play. Like I would have probably oh, yeah. been okay with plug and play, but they wanted a little bit more ceiling here, it feels like. And they got some upside. I mean, again, there's downside, but there's real upside here. If Chris Sale is Chris Sale, scary hours, let's just say. Yes. Yeah, he is, as we said a little earlier, when he has been healthy, he has been anywhere from good to very, very, very good. And I'm not sure he still has that top of the game elite level left in him. But there's a world where if Sale can make 25 starts, I mean, he if he makes 25 starts for the Braves next year, they're going to be very good, right? Like it, there's basically never been a time where Sale was throwing a baseball and was not effective at getting opposing hitters out, right? Like, go look at his Fangraphs page. It speaks for itself. He's basically been good anytime he has been healthy over the past decade plus. And again, man, those those arms just are not generally available. And I, you know, I don't blame the Braves, even if they had to give up a Grissom in order to make it happen. You know, then then throwing money at Lucas Giolito or Frankie Montas or. Even like Marcus Stroman, who's been very Jekyll and Hyde throughout his whole career. Um, you know, sure, it would be fun to be adding a, you know, Blake Snell, you know, a Cy Young type arm, but I just I just don't think they had any intention of going seven or eight years in free agency for those guys. And as we talked about earlier in the show, free or uh, starting pitching is just so volatile year over year. And I, I don't blame Anthopolis for being cautious and not just handing out five and six year deals left and right. Yep, I think we were in agreement here for the most part, Scott. And uh, our entire rundown was thrown out just an hour before this podcast started. Thank you again to Alex for, for providing some content and some stuff to discuss on what will almost certainly be our last podcast episode of 2023. I guess if there's another move in the next 24 hours, number one, I will be annoyed. And number two, all of my thank yous to Alex will stop. But uh, <laughs> Scott and I are probably done for 2023 as we record yeah. this podcast on December 30th in the afternoon. So, uh, Scott, thank you for being here all year long and also for being here on this podcast. I very much appreciate you and all of your work. Yeah, no, it was it was good, Brad. Happy New Year to everybody out there. Um, just one last note here before the buzzer. Um, a really nice uh, when meeting with the media, um, Alex Anthopoulos. This is from Alex Spire, um, I believe, of the Boston Globe. Uh, Anthopoulos informed Von Grissom that the Braves were going to make a move for a pitcher. And uh, according to Alex Spire, Grissom responded, quote, I can pitch. <laughs> so by all accounts, in, in reading some of these transcripts of what Anthopolis said, um, said he was incredibly fond of, fond of Von Grissom, a special kid, a major leaguer who is ready to play right now. So, um, you know, general managers are generally pretty glowing of their players who they trade out no one's gonna spit on a guy as he's walking out of the organization that's bad business um, but just some nice quotes so be sure to check that out i'm sure we will have a full write-up on batterypower.com yes. today tonight so uh, there's plenty of reaction on there as well so please check out the site 
Thank you, everybody, for checking us out on this uh, New Year's Eve weekend emergency pod. I don't know if we've ever done one of these before, Brad. Something like um, that, yeah. And uh, who knows? We'll see what the new year holds. For sure. And certainly stay tuned to this podcast network. In addition to the written content at BarryPower.com, please subscribe to this podcast. We have three shows for the price of $0. It is usually Scott and I on the flagship show here. This is, again, episode 433. It's been happening for quite some time. We also have the podcast to be named later with Chris Willis, our fearless leader, and Stephen Tolbert, and then the Daily Hammer with Sean Coleman. I said it before, but also Sean and Stephen did a crossover event podcast earlier this week that's worth your time and worth listening to. And uh, it would really appreciate it. Sorry, we really appreciate it if you were to subscribe to the podcast on your platform of choice, Apple or Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast, all those places. Auto download the podcast. Ratings and reviews appreciate it as well. Spread the word about the show. I'm sure you have some Braves fan friends in your life that you can share the podcast with. And we would certainly like it if you would go ahead and do that. For Scott, this is us signing off on today's podcast and for the year. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. As always, we'll be back again in 2024 with one-on-one coverage of the Braves. See you all next time.